Welcome to the process of things. Does stuff work? Do, 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 do. Anyhow, welcome <laughs> to the podcast. Season two, all about awkward and difficult and uncomfortable conversations. Welcome to the process of things. Does stuff work? I am Nicole North. And I am Ruth Henderson. And we are your incredibly hilarious hosts today. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the process of things where we take current business trends and buzzwords and let you know whether they actually work or not. And in this case, there are really no trends. It's how to have a super, super awkward conversation. Yeah, there's buzzwords, right? There's buzzwords around this. Coaching, Coaching. important conversations. Emotional intelligence, being self-aware, respecting the whole person. But that's not buzzy. That's just, it's, it just is what it is. They are, they are not buzzy or fatty in, in fatty. Like like F A D D Y fatty okay fatty to me yeah. they are they, it is what it is well I think they come and go with popularity and maybe it's only because I'm uh, involved now in attending some different HR training conferences and reading some of those trade magazines and I see more of them now hmm. and I will never forget even though I still think it was sort of trendy and it was also right. Uh, when diversity was just being brought into the Ontario Public Service, like really intentionally years ago, and they talked about um, how people need to be able to bring their whole self to work. And I hear that still today. And and it's true. It sounds kind of... I wonder if there's a different way to say it that doesn't sound so Mm. (laughs) HR-y. But it's so true. People do Today's buzzwords are fatty. Fatty. And HR-y. And Susudio. 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 You didn't know that. I didn't. Tell, well, tell us as we started the podcast, Ruth just started we, bleeding nonsense we, into the, <laughs> into the we mic were, saying Susudio. We Susudio. were testing the mics <laughs> and you always say testing one, two, three. And I, you know, back in the 80s, I'm dating myself again. Again. And when I told I, you not to last episode. Whatever. I'm 52. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> um, back in the 80s when I was in university I'm 50 and I can kick and I can sing is that a thing? Uh, a bunch of my friends used to say it all the time and they're not 50 no it was like it was like a character like oh. I'm 50 and I can kick and I can sing <laughs> and I can dance just like you youngins I'm 52 and I was in university in 1984 I and, was 4 yeah shut up and Phil Collins was really big. Of course, he's kind of still. Well, I don't know if he's still big, but he was super big then. It was the British invasion. And What's all the that classic stuff. Phil Collins song? Is there a? I don't. I now I'll I, think of it as a podcast. Proceed. Okay. Anyway, and then you'll just burst into song. Anyway. Okay. Anyways, uh, there was a song called Susudio. Susudio, Susudio. say the word. Oh, Susudio. Oh, I know that song. Thank you. And at the time, somebody told me, and I do not know if this is a myth or not, but it always stuck with me that that was a way of testing the microphones, that you'd get close to the mic and you go, Susudio, Susudio. And they were checking for whether it was clear and the S's all blurred together or not. And I don't know. So that's why I said Susudio, and our listeners could care less. I think they love it, and I'm going to say Susudio all the time, (laughs) even when it's not relevant. And when it's awkward. 
So there is a nice there? segue into what we're actually talking about. A segue? A sesudio segue into what we're talking about today, which is awkward and uncomfortable conversations. Um, our whole uh, season two is about difficult, awkward, and uncomfortable conversations. And today we're talking about that first one where it's super awkward. I mean, all difficult conversations are awkward mm -hmm. to some extent, mm -hmm. but this is the one where like you're actually like blushing or yeah. um, like literally you want to put your head in the sand um, to have one of these conversations. And so many people do. What are some examples of what we mean? I think the classic is B.O. I mean, <sighs> I actually... Before I knew how to do this, I remember, <laughs> I remember, I'm so embarrassed to say it, but I, it's whatever. Um, there was a woman in my team who really, really had a problem, but I couldn't tell because I was in a different office and I didn't sit near her and <laughs> people had come to me, not complaining like Ruth do something, but just like, oh, I can't work with so-and-so and I never did anything about it. Wow. Good manager, Ruth. Yeah. Really good. <laughs> really, really good. And I could imagine though, like I would just be like, mm, yeah, I'm not going to deal with it. You can tell her that yeah, she has BO. I didn't. <laughs> that's not okay. <laughs> that's just not okay. But and that's a great example. So BO is an awesome, super awkward example. Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking one of the ones that we talk about a lot is food smells. Oh yeah. Um, Cause you're terrified to. of offending them. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of fear about those kinds of mm -hmm. things. And it's kind of uncomfortable to say, hey, the lunch that you're reheating right now um, that you're going to put in your mouth smells like garbage, garbage to me. Yeah. So please don't put that garbage in your mouth. There are some people who have no problem saying those things hey. and they go to the other extreme. I'll tell you a funny story. <laughs> tell me. And you guys can't see. But right now, she just adjusted her whole body language and she's shaking her finger at me. So this should be good. Interestingly enough, I was at the office and people always used to have complaints about food smells, this, that, and the other. And I was on a um, fitness bodybuilding kick. I was on a program. What was it called? You had to drink these Myoplex Body for Life. Body for Life. It was sponsored by Myoplex. We are in no way affiliated with Myoplex, but I will happily take samples. Um, <laughs> Um, and you had these shakes and this guy had this book and you know, it was what workouts you were supposed to do, yada, yada, yada. And my dad had done the body for life workouts before he was in the firefighter calendar, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that year. That's right. Ladies check out Kim Dunn in He's the, awesome. in the firefighter calendar, my dad rocking a very tiny bathing suit. Um, <laughs> Right now. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, my dad got into like wicked awesome shape and he gave me this book. So I was doing it. And so there was all kinds of things, you know, you're constantly eating protein nonstop and not a lot of sugar and sweet things. I have a huge sweet tooth. So one of the things that you could eat was, um, egg whites, um, mixed with peanut butter. Oh, that sounds revolting. And so I just used to mic microwave it in the office <laughs> microwave. And so you'd microwave your egg whites and then you'd plop a few teaspoons of natural peanut butter on it and then probably throw some sweet and low or something that was oh my hot back then on there. Yeah. And I remember, you know, I'm eating it and loving it and being yeah. like, this tastes great to me right now because I it's feel good. What it's what yeah. I wanted. And someone came up to me and they were like, that smells absolutely repugnant. Like 
is there anything that you can do? And I, I, you know, I'm a very open to feedback and I just went, oh my goodness, I never realized mm-hmm. it. I'm so sorry. Like I let me, I'll microwave it at home and bring it in or I won't, I'll make something different. Mm-hmm. But it was a big shock to me because I'd often heard about these kinds of conversations. And to be honest, I naively assumed they were often about ethnic smelling foods or fish um, or things that, you know, it never occurred to me that egg whites and peanut butter could really. And yeah, I wonder if that would make it easier that it doesn't appear to be a cultural food. Um, uh, There are many other foods that people can bring in that could appear. I could bring in um, my, my best friend makes this Thai curry and it smells, my house smells right? And that has nothing to do with where I'm from or not. Yeah. And I'm pregnant. So sometimes now anything that smells weird grosses yeah. me right out. I cannot handle salmon. It's true. I, I can't. I, I, I will be sick. I can't have it in my house. I can't. I just cannot handle the smell. So, you know, that is one. So what people are eating, I think, might not be as embarrassing unless you're afraid of sounding offensive because you fear it's a cultural issue mm-hmm. there's the bo one um and with B- i think we should just say body smells because bad breath would go with that oh yeah um, what about um attire yeah um and outfits absolutely um, i remember we were working with physiotherapists and they were saying um that they often found it really uncomfortable to tell someone their top was too low cut Mm -hmm. so that when they leaned over and were actually like treating patients, you could see right down their top. Yeah. Um, I also remember a contact center that I was working with people on the phones and you would think it wouldn't matter because your customers can't see you, but there were women there who were dressed like they were going clubbing and the managers there had to find ways to tell them that what they were wearing was inappropriate because it was distracting. And there were men who were wearing um, T-shirts or things that were offensive or suggestive or whatever. So really, that was very hard for people because people could say, I could wear what I want. And there's a professional attire and a line that you have to judge. It's interesting because I, I know we've gotten feedback. I've gotten feedback on my attire sometimes for skirts that are too short. Yeah, I remember um, that. Um, and that, you know, anyhow. How did they phrase that when they I told you it about was, it? I think they didn't tell me in oh, person. No, it was in, it was in comments. Mm-hmm. It was in a survey and it just said mm-hmm. one of the trainer's skirts was too short. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny because even though I am so open to feedback, I'm still kind of like, well, I don't think it was inappropriate. But I guess everyone has a different line. I mean, they I think one of the lines. greatest pieces of feedback that we got that was really hard to swallow was also about attire. Someone said it yes. looked like we were dressed to go to a wedding mm-hmm. while we were facilitating a course. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Ruth and I both kind of laughed at that in a way, you know, at first, because <laughs> I said, well, I would never wear that dress to a wedding. It's not nearly fancy enough. Yes. Um, but comparatively speaking, to the client that we were serving, the client yes. that was there, who had a much, 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 much more casual work style, yes, and were maybe located in a more rural area versus us, where we're in downtown Toronto, where I think 
Yeah. Sometimes it kind of elevates the fashion and, you know, people wearing heels and all that kind when of stuff. When they don't need to and other places wouldn't. My sister said that to me once. Uh, I said, well, I'm just wearing what I wear to work. And she says, Ruth, if what you wear to work is what I would wear if I was um, playing the piano in church. And I'd, it never even occurred to me. So just very different. And she's, you know, mm-hmm. she, she doesn't live in the city either. Um, so that can have something to do with it. I think it. it's very personal when it's on your body. It's very hard yeah. to, um, I guess, and it's so subjective, right? I think mm-hmm. maybe that's the big um, the big thing with this particular awkward conversation. It's not like the feedback we've talked about in the last couple of you know episodes. Like, hey, I'm giving you feedback on this presentation. You said ums, and it's fact-based. Yes. Like, how can I prove that, in fact, your skirt is too short? Right. Is there a rule? I mean, I know when I went to Catholic school, you know, there was the four fingers from your knee rule. Yeah. But like in public, in the real world, there is no four finger rule. No. And for each of these cases, it's different and there's a different level of awkwardness. Um, And I think the more personal it becomes, the harder it is. So food is probably of these things the least personal, right? It's, It's food. It's a choice. It's not about your body, it's not about your appearance, it's not about any of those things. Then you start adding on things like your attire and your odor and all of those things. And now I mean, and the whole thing is that it's subjective, right? What smells bad to you doesn't smell bad to me. What does smelling bad mean? Yeah. Um, It's just a smell, you know, leave the room and come back, you know, afterwards and don't worry about it. Same with them. I think a really interesting one and a really relevant workplace one is um, the notion of of areas becoming scent free and fragrance free. And this was a fascinating one for me. Um, I had an employee who had a uh, sensitivity to scent and had requested that people, um, you know, reduce their use or eliminate their use of scented hand creams and Mm -hmm. hairspray and perfume as it really affected her Mm -hmm. negatively. And I was alarmed at the number of people on my team who I found to be reasonable individuals who were up in arms and said, I can wear whatever hand cream I want and no one is going to stop me from wearing hand cream or perfume. That's not unlike, um, when my sister was dealing with my nephew, who's now close to 25, and he was an infant, and his, his severe peanut allergy, and people at school, other parents said, I'm going to make what I want for my children for their lunch. And if peanut butter is one sure of them. Sure, come a long way since then. A long way. And Same that's really hard. I think sometimes people just get tired of being told what to do, and there's a straw that breaks the camel's back at some point. Really? Now I can't wear this hand lotion and I can't wear that hairspray. Mm. And it was really and interesting. Da-da-da. And, you know, it comes back to the same thing that we talked about in the last two episodes. It was the identification and understanding of the impact that finally made the difference. Mm-hmm. So in my team, what I did is I had this person actually do a presentation on scent and fragrance free and provided some statistics and idea. some information and really asked her to provide some feedback on how it made her feel. Um, and really tried to describe those impacts. And I think it finally clicked for people. And, you know, they thought she was just being, I'm twisting my figure, thought she was just being kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, but when they actually realized that it caused uh, migraines, fatigue, 
um, headache, um, wouldn't help to, you know, didn't help her concentrate. It made it difficult to concentrate. All those things, people finally went like, oh, I guess the one minute of joy I get from putting this hand cream on is really not worth yeah. eight hours of distress for my colleague. This is all, it all comes back. There's a common theme through the things we talk about is impact of people understanding. When we talked about it at ASBE, the tool ASBE in the last um, podcast, and we talked about that last step is what's the impact of your behavior and then be quiet so that person can think about it. When we talk about the change curve at different times, and we teach that with clients, we talk about making sure that people let people know the impact of the change or the why, what's happening, so that people are not just robots. They're not going to take what you say at face value. Um, those that are highly self-aware may be more likely to. It's great. We should talk about the change curve as we go through kind of yeah. how to have this conversation yeah. because I think it's going to... Um, it, it might really demonstrate how someone might receive your feedback when you yeah. do have to tell them this weird, awkward thing, yeah. right? And these these things are awkward because they're subjective, because they're not measurable. Because they don't understand or accept, maybe, the reason for it. Because it's highly personal, yeah. because there's other things going on, mm -hmm. because it's, it could be a, a ton of different things. So mm -hmm. these conversations are super awkward. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, how we can practice having these conversations. How do you practice it? Well, um, I can't remember. I think we talked a little bit um, in one of the other uh, podcasts this season, maybe in the first one, about when you had to have that difficult conversation with the person who was sleeping. Mm -mm. And you actually mapped it out. Yes. What the possible responses could be. And not only does that help, especially if you're you know, a bit of a nerd like me in doing a process map or steps or drawing what could happen. And to our listeners, don't get upset about actual process map. It's really talking about steps or think of it as a decision options. tree even yeah. or options. Like what are you going to say if mm -hmm. they say this, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, you know you're going to go into a conversation and have to say something really uncomfortable like you have BO. And what if the person responds with, no, I don't. Yeah. So that, I think that that idea of that, that act of saying, what if dot, 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 and then what if the other dot, dot, dot is a way of practicing a little bit. Um, yeah. you can take Preparing. it further by then reading it over and over and saying it out loud and those sorts of things. But that practice, that process map is simply saying, okay, what's the first thing I'm going to say? What could the response be a, B or C? And what would I say back to A, B, well, and C? Ruth, I'm going to get active here. Uh-oh, all right. And pull my mic out of its stand. And I'm going to walk over to our handy-dandy <laughs> glass over here. And let's actually, like, with, with our listeners, map out a little bit of the type of conversation. What should the topic be? Is, is body odor a good one? I think a lot of people are afraid of talking about body odor. It's probably one of the most common ones. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, so oh, I can just reach. So yeah. you guys can't see this, but she's actually gone to the wall so that she can write things down because she has to write things down when she's <laughs> excited. So yeah. The so the first thing I would Peter, do. Peter has body practice. odor. Peter has body odor. So that's the title of our process map yeah. is Peter's body odor. Yeah. 
And then, so your first thing is, you know, you're going to take an act action and, and he's going to come into your room. You're going to call him into your office or something like that. And here's the first thing. What's your opening? Yeah, what's your opening line? I mean, I think one of the greatest lessons, and I just used it today when I was writing an email that I was really uncomfortable about, um, was to say, right from the get-go, this is an awkward conversation. Yeah, I have to say something difficult. It's kind of just like, as we talked about in the last episode, can I tell you something? Is that like set the shoulder? Mm -hmm. it, this is like, this is awkward and it's going to be awkward for both of us. So let's take a so deep breath and in. attack this together. Totally sets the shoulder and it also means that you don't have to start with any pleasantries. So if you can just start out and say, hey, Peter, thanks for coming in. I'm, there's no easy way to say this because I just have to say something really awkward to you. So here it goes. Yes, because the tendency might be to start talking about something oh, else, like right, meeting? trying to do the sandwich. Did you have a good time last night? Right, and saying like yeah. you're really great, and we really think you're awesome. And oh, yeah. oh, please don't. Please this go isn't straight about to your it. work. This go isn't straight about, to it. No, don't. This is so awkward for me. Yeah, this is and it really might be awkward, awkward for you too. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. our opening line is, this, this is, is so awkward. awkward. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, what are the possible responses from the person? Let's just play it yeah, out. Yeah, I think there's only two. One is that they say nothing, and I think that's most likely, that they're just going to stare at you. But they are staring at you. They're paying attention. Or they'd say some, they'd crack a joke or say something like, oh, well, then I don't want to hear it or might try to change the subject. Ooh, that's a great. Yeah. This is see and what we're doing here is we're brainstorming the possible options so that we're prepared for them. Yeah. Because if we just think it's going to go, if we just wrote a script, a straight script yeah. with only our, you know, our response and what we expect the other person to say, I feel like this is when difficult conversations go askew. Yeah. And it's because you, you aren't prepared. You're not that person and you have to literally brainstorm all the possible things so so they, they could they say so nothing they crack a joke they change the subject or they say like you know oh my gosh like yeah tell me yeah they might just be like yeah. what is what? it tell me yeah great that that's your ideal response yeah for sure so if they say nothing or if they say oh my gosh that's great we can move on to the next step but if they yeah. start to crack a joke we're going to need to redivert them. Mm -hmm. And what I would probably do is keep it simple again and just say, yeah, I've got something awkward to tell you and, and kind of can, do it again. Yeah. You and say maybe it just again. go straight through, straight through without the pause. Yeah. They crack time. a joke and you say, you could even acknowledge it, say, yeah, you're uncomfortable too. I can see. Let's keep going. Right. Yeah. Or if they change the subject, that's a good topic for another conversation. Let's get back to this. This it's, awkward it's, conversation. People will naturally try to avoid an awkward conversation uh, and might distract you and say something like, um, okay, can we first talk about the meeting this morning? <gasps> uh, can we just, can I just have five minutes first and talk about You're so right. Or is so it what right. Cynthia, Cynthia said earlier? Did you know she's a big mouth? Or, you know, yeah, shifting they'll blame. Jump, to, jump to conclusions, yeah. jump to someone else. Yeah. Um, they'll do anything to yeah. not have this conversation or lighten it. So Tons then the response so. to that is divert and go back again or yeah. to say, yes, that's a great topic. Let's talk about that after back to what I wanted to talk to you about. Right. And that's really hard because sometimes you feel like they're throwing you a lifesaver and, <laughs> Ooh, I don't have to talk about it anymore. 
great. They distracted me with our work project. So in the hopes that they say nothing or what is it, or you've done the joke and you've gone back, now you're getting back to the meat of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are we going to say next? And that's that, that key thing of just laying it on the line. You can either say, this is a possible, but I don't like it. It, I have, it has come to my attention that, Mm. and I would say, use that only rarely. So for instance, if you're having an awkward conversation about something that you have not witnessed, but people have come to you and asked you to address it, like the one where people came to me. Did you never smell your employee? I did, yes. But (laughs) let's say it's something where I didn't. Let's say I've never smelled the food that's been cooking or the perfume or whatever. And I think this is a good point because as a manager, I have always tried to say that I need to see and observe and collect the data for myself before I can have the conversation. Otherwise, it does just turn into a he said, she said, you know, then the conversation just goes nowhere. So when you can witness it yourself, you're in an ideal situation. So I would say if you have not smelt the body odor, Mm -hmm. I would go make an effort to smell it. If you have not smelt the food that the people are talking about that are complaining to you, I would go and try and smell the food. You know, another example is, you know, I had staff come to me and tell me that someone was in late every day Mm -hmm. and they came in very early in the morning. And I was like, well, how am I supposed to see that? And I remember my mentor said, uh, get your butt into the office and observe it for yourself. Yeah, I think that's excellent advice. I think that works nine times out of 10. Yes. There is that time. Let's say you're managing a remote workforce and 100%. people have come to you. 100%. So if it's that one and you're saying it's come to my attention that just laid on the line, it's come to my attention that you may have a body odor pro- uh, problem. And the only reason I'm, I'm um, resistant about mm-hmm. that is that if you do have a very um, defensive individual, yeah. you're going to get into an argument that you cannot... You cannot fight the battle. You cannot yeah. reason because you actually don't know. Yeah. Um, and that's, so, that's, yeah. that's a whole different, that's a different decision tree, right? That's yeah. the whole decision tree of, uh, them saying it's come to your attention. Who told me, who told you that it's doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, it's come to your attention. What does that mean? Well, people have mentioned yeah. it to me and tell me about your thoughts about why they might have done that. Yeah. And maybe even a better starter is I understand that or, yeah. Um, I've observed, we've observed, the team oh, has well, observed. If you've observed it, for sure. That was my part B. So the yeah. rare, the rare, rare instances, it's come to my attention yeah. or whatever. Um, but the much better one is I have noticed. Yeah. I have seen. I have witnessed, etc. Smelt. Yeah. Um, I, I believe you have a body odor pro- problem. And I wanted to know if you were aware of that. Right? And just let it sit. And the person may say, so then the decision tree becomes yes or no. They knew it or they didn't know it. And, you know, a lot of... Or they divert again. Yeah. They could. A lot of people think that they have to go into decision making at that point and help them solve it and that sort of thing. Um, I believe a better solution is to say... um, are you aware of things that you could do differently to, to change this? Is there any support I can give you? Because what people don't realize is that there are many medical conditions that can cause these things, whether it's yeah. body odor or bad breath. It can be medication. It can be so many things. So to assume, I taught at a client once that was a um, manufacturing company, and the manager uh, dropped a bar of soap on the guy's desk. 
and said, dude, you stink. <laughs> That's how he handled it. And it actually worked because of the environment they had and the people. It was 100% male and they all knew each other. They were drinking buddies, whatever. They took it as a joke. I guarantee you that would not work in 99% of organizations to yeah. just drop a bar of soap and say you stink. Or in, uh, in the government, there is also a case of some, a manager who didn't know what to do, so they just left a bar of soap secretively overnight <laughs> on the person's desk. Not okay. Yeah. Okay, so are you aware of it? Yes, no, or maybe a diversion? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I mean, your, your best case scenario is, yes, I am aware of it. You it's know, medication. It's medication. It's this or it's that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm not aware of it. Will probably likely end in some kind of defensive. Mm-hmm. You know, who's saying that? How's it going? Which I believe that if you go into, if someone says yes, I'm aware of it. You know, you can really do a nice coaching conversation that says, okay, you're aware of it. How do you think it impacts others? It comes back to ASBE, right? It comes back because to ASBE. You can then say you've skipped the ask has already happened. It was a bit of a tell. So it's the SBI portion. But when you can describe it and say, in this situation, the impact to the team is, and then yeah. you have to be able to say it. Yeah. They're unable to concentrate. Um, it's it's they really don't bothering work closely people. with you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know what what uh, what options are there for you yeah. to help deal with that? What can we try right. to help improve this, and then kind of move from there? If they say no and get all defensive and yeah. Interestingly, sometimes both of them end to the same place. I mean, I still, even if they say, no, I'm not aware of that, you kind of just reiterate again. Here's what I've noticed. Here's what others have noticed. Here's what we understand. Here's the impact to people. What can be done about it? It's kind of the same answer. And the purpose of mapping this out is just to be prepared for it. Because I think sometimes we just think like, oh, well, I'm going to tell them about their BO and they're going to go, of course, of course, I'll deal with it. And that doesn't always happen. They're going to forget that some people are going to burst into tears. Some people are going yeah. to be angry. Yes. And um, you have to be able to react to it. So the idea of setting this process map up is to, it's, it's like a decision tree, really, mm-hmm. is to just think of every possible scenario yeah. so that you've got it in your... If they say this, how am I going to respond? Yeah. And it might be the same response every time it's just such a great way about preparing yourself for what what they might say. What I've, are you going to do if they burst into tears? Are you going to be so upset by that that it yeah. gets you away from your targeted message? I was reading a tweet today from um, Chris Cuomo, who's one of the anchors on CNN's morning news show. And he was getting praise from a listener on how he handled a discussion on the new tax bill in the States. And um, he's and and both of the people he was interviewing were, I think, if I recall, opposite to his views. Anyway, he said it's hard to do an interview like that. That's two on one, but that's why we prepare. And it's you know that these anchors that are good at their jobs, who are interviewing people, or like lawyers who are preparing for a trial, you know how they say never ask a question you don't know the answer to. They have to prepare for the different things that could come out of someone's mouth Mm -hmm. and then hope that if something goes off track, they have the ability to land on their feet and think. So this whole concept of the awkward conversation is about preparation because it's not something that you have to do in the moment. You don't walk by somebody and suddenly say, Peter, you smell. 
You don't just do that in the kitchen when you see them making tea. You don't just say, you know, George, your T-shirt is offensive. You notice it and you say, ooh, I need to talk to George, and you bring him in your office, or you go somewhere where you can close the door to a meeting room, and you say, George, I have to talk to you about yeah. something sensitive. That yeah. T-shirt really bothers some people. You know, and planning goes a super long way, but in the end, the only way to get better at these conversations is to keep having them. Yeah. Even when you don't want to, even when it's uncomfortable. Even when you're embarrassed, or maybe more so than they are. <laughs> yeah. Because you think back to a time when you were told the same thing and you were horrified, or and the other person may not be horrified. I go, oh, okay, T-shirt, sure, I'll change it. Yeah. Whatever. And I think I think the key there again in describing the impact makes sure that someone just isn't doing something because you said so mm -hmm. right and going yeah. back out of their office and rolling their eyes and being like oh ruth doesn't like the smell of my salmon so i can never bring salmon to lunch anymore yeah let's see if she likes the way tilapia smells you yeah, know yeah. like <laughs> and then you know and then it just becomes the conversation wasn't impactful no. if someone doesn't say you know what i enjoy salmon and I'm comfortable with that, and I can appreciate that to some people the smell is really uncomfortable and distracting. Mm -hmm. And what can I do to continue to enjoy my salmon while not disrupting my coworkers? Right? right. There's your like ideal like yeah. Ah, yeah. response. Yeah. It's just sometimes how long it takes to get there. You yep. may have to come to terms with the fact that someone may slam the door and say, "I cannot believe you say I have bo. That's so offensive." And that you might have to have this conversation again. Yeah, you might have to have it a couple of times before it really sinks in. Yeah, I, another uh, one that we often teach in a in one particular course is the one about um, drinking on the job. Another uncomfortable mm -hmm. conversation. Mm -hmm. I remember there was someone that we worked with, and it was kind of an ongoing running joke that this person worked in like the LAN room or like the cable room and was just down there basically drinking all day long. Mm -mm -mm. And so that if you called him up in the afternoon, you knew he was going to be tipsy, like, oh my gosh, how, yeah. how uncomfortable. And, you know, let's say for me, that's had kind of personal impact with alcoholism. That conversation would be so hard for me. I don't even know how I would be able to handle it. You know, another thing that we haven't talked about um, is especially, well, in any of these situations, particularly the most sensitive ones, uh, if it's involving drug use, alcoholism, et cetera, is checking with HR. Oh, yeah. I mean, not every company has or organization has an HR team. It's smaller agencies, smaller organizations. If you do, it's always great to run something by HR, go, here's how I'm planning on doing this. Because larger um, teams and organizations will have policies on this. They may even have help for you. And if you're, if you're getting so difficult into those conversations that you're talking about people's health and well, health and safety, um, you're maybe talking about abusive language or harassment or bullying, mm -hmm. then you need to be talking to HR, not only to ensure you're doing this the right way, but to protect yourself, quite frankly. Yeah, you have to be advice. so careful. If we're talking about somebody's BO or that um, they're wearing low-cut shirts or they eat salmon at lunch, uh, you know. Even the low-cut shirt can become an HR issue. It's true. If, 
If you're uncomfortable in any of those situations, HR should be able to help guide you or practice with you. I would say especially if we're talking alcohol, drugs, bullying, harassment. It should be part of your preparation, right? It should be. Part of your preparation is to listen to a podcast like this, Mm -hmm. is to, you know, jump on on the interwebs Mm -hmm. and, you know, do some reading and say, you know, what is appropriate yeah. in Canadian Ontario legislation for yeah. workplace attire? What is appropriate? What is appropriate for me to say and not say? Mm-hmm. Right? Because it changes all the time. It's yeah. progressive more and more. And people are allowed to wear what they want to wear. And one thing I don't know, and I actually will probably check the, the interwebs after we finish this, is um, what that line is for being able to tell people what they can and cannot wear particularly when they don't have interaction with customers. Like, what is that? It's not a uniform, but mm-hmm. you it's also... It's so difficult because it's subjective, it right? Totally like, what's subjective. professional? I uh, used to hate it when people wore flip-flops in the summertime yeah. and yoga pants at work. <laughs> so how... There must be some ability for an employer to say, this is not acceptable work workplace attire, yeah, like, right? Yeah, I think there has to just be relatively... And, and this is something you might want to check too. Does your office have a list already of appropriate attire so that, you know, when you go in to say, hey, your outfit's not appropriate today and that person loses their cool and is like, well, what do you mean? What's appropriate, not appropriate? You can actually be so well prepared that you say, actually, I've pulled our company's attire policy. And here and it is. And here's what it says. Mm-hmm. It says no, no active wear, no ripped jeans, mm-hmm. no flip-flops, you know, yeah. whatever that might be. And it's very possible that those rules are laid out for you. Which is so So nice. you don't have to figure out what l- means professional professional and what's not professional. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really helpful. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? That in these conversations, um, we often bring in process, which it's funny, but it's not funny. I mean, the core of what we do is process and, and business process improvement. And we find so many times that the ability to make process changes or any kind of change stick is completely related to leadership skills and the ability to have conversations that show an impact, show caring, show interest, show planning, show engagement. And these difficult conversations that this whole series is about is about being able to be a more authentic leader and somebody who doesn't shy away from that difficult or in this case, that awkward conversation. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of managers would hate having this conversation because they think they're, at least for me and my personality type, this person's going to hate me now. Oh, yeah. I was embarrassed. That's why I didn't want to tell that woman. But I also knew, like, when I look back on it, I also knew that people talked about her. Not not in my presence or to me, or I would kind of look at them and it would change the subject. But that's not fair. And I could have saved her that if I could have talked to her. It's like what you would tell your best friend if they had spinach in their teeth. Yes. Right? You wouldn't let that person run around all day with a huge hunk of spinach sticking out of their incisor who knows what the reason was to this day i don't know i don't know what it was it was a long time ago but now i know better i have had conversations like that since then Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) nicole no (laughs) i was like we're about to have a live uncomfortable (laughs) conversation i'm wearing ripped jeans right now (laughs) no she's not and (laughs) flip-flops i love it well I think we mm-hmm. awkward re- conversations. Review. Awkward conversations. They are hard because 
There is no data on it. There's no hard, meaty things to what smells and doesn't smell. Um, and so it's very hard to um, provide concrete and factual evidence for something so subjective. Um, the, these awkward conversations that we're talking about right here are also very personal. How I dress, what I eat, um, those kinds of things can be uh, you know, very personal to people. So the reason these conversations are awkward is because it is likely that someone is going to respond yeah. in an in a unideal way, a non-ideal way, that they are going to respond with tears, denial, anger, anger um, nothing, nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they are going to be defensive, that they're going to divert, that they are going to ask you for evidence and backup and, you know, put you on the spot to describe exactly what a professional outfit looks like. Yeah. You know, or come back at you and say, well, what about that day three Fridays ago when you wore sandals? You know, what's that about? And I saw your... Isn't a flip-flop a sandal? Yeah. Try right? to like, get nitpicky. Yes. That is a, a tactic that people will revert to in this kind mm-hmm. of uncomfortable situation. So our real skill for you in this particular um, type of conversation is to get prepared. Yep. Reach out to HR. Check your corporate policies. Map out a little process so that when you say this, what are the three things that they could say? What if they fly off the handle? What are the words you're going to use, especially if you're not comfortable with these types of conversations? Having a plan of what you're going to say really helps make this go uh, much, much better. And then open well. Mm -hmm. Open your conversation with, uh, thanks so much for coming in. I have to have an awkward conversation with you, so I'm glad you're here. Yeah, or, you know, this is so uncomfortable for me or this is uncomfortable for Mm -hmm. both of us, so Mm -hmm. please bear with me. And this is such a great, you know, such a great tactic, especially if you're not, you know, one of the big things we talked about last episode or why people don't have these conversations because they're scared they don't know how to. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you say, this is awkward for me too, so please bear with me, it kind of alleviates you from having to have the... Make it perfect. Make it perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, it's saying, let's work on this together. Let's yeah. have this conversation together and get through it together. And I think that's mm-hmm. so kind and genuine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Prepare. Do your research. Open well. Don't let the conversation v- deviate. And then follow up is the last thing I think I would say and like maybe the next day or a couple days but not too much longer than that to be able to just say I just wanted to follow up on that conversation that we had it was awkward how are you doing how are your odors (laughs) no Nicole don't say that on a a scale of one to ten how bad do you smell today stop it I'm joking how are you doing (laughs) is fine oh it's a studio (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I do following yeah. up and having that accountability, you mm-hmm. know, providing some reinforcement, yeah. like saying, you know, it seems like things are going really, really well. You don't even have to bring it up again no. based on our previous conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking that conversation seriously. And thanks for making yeah. it comfortable for me, I think is a great way to do it. Yep. So you can do it. You can tell us about your awkward conversations. Tell us how they went. Um, and next week we are. Uh Uh-oh, it's getting personal. Peter's getting a divorce. Uh Uh-oh, dealing with people having personal issues at work. Yeah. Fun. So what happens when you're the manager or a peer or a colleague and people are popping into your office with their personal issues? Mm. 
how to have those conversations. And if you have any ideas of difficult conversations and you, you're dealing with one and you want to shoot us a, a question or maybe a topic for a future um, podcast, just let us know. You can email us at info at whiteboardcons.com. No whiteboardconsulting.ca info at whiteboardconsulting.ca check out our website at www.whiteboardconsulting.ca and it'll give you the links to our Twitter our Instagram our Facebook LinkedIn all of those things you can find us on all the socials medias social medias the buzz and uh, and also email us there as well as Mm -hmm. well as listen to the podcast Mm -hmm. uh, checking out our videos and all kinds of stuff so Mm -hmm. find us there Thanks for listening. Thank you. Till next time. Bye. Bye.